Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Good morning again. Again, it's wonderful to be with you today. On top of our weekly party of the Eucharist, today focusing on the transfiguration of Jesus, we have a celebration planned following worship as well, celebrating the seventh birthday of Church of the Cross. That's right, a good reason to celebrate. I hope you can stick around. With the focus of worship this morning on the transfiguration of Jesus, as described in the gospel we just heard read, there is an upward trajectory in each of our readings today. Both the gospel and Old Testament involve mountain climbs. The, they, the readings share a number of elements, as I'm sure you've noticed. Psalm 99 describes God as high above all peoples. And even the reading from Philippians, with this language of pressing toward the goal, suggests this upward climb toward God and into holiness. As many of you know, my family was gifted earlier this year with a remarkable sabbatical. And during that time, we had the luxurious opportunity to hike in the French Alps. It was amazing. One of the first hikes we did was to a place called the Refuge de Salle. And this climb toward a mountain refuge is this remarkable journey past multiple waterfalls and alpine lakes and valleys, climbing nearly 5,000 feet in just a span of a few hours. On this journey, we had the experience multiple times of passing one remarkable scene, marveling at this towering cascade of water, only to realize that there was something still more remarkable, another set of falls, another glorious vista further up. Our family has remembered this hike and others like them as our time in the high vault of heaven, borrowing language from the Book of Common Prayer's A Song of Praise in Morning Prayer. This idea that mountains might be heavenly places is one that's well-founded in Scripture and in the Christian tradition. Even today, some of us speak of mountaintop experiences to describe encounters with God. Robin Perry, in this excellent book, The Biblical Cosmos, A Pilgrim's Guide to the Weird and Wonderful World of the Bible, argues that biblical authors literally conceived of heaven as up, in, or beyond the sky. So to ascend the mountains was to draw near to heaven. And throughout the Bible, mountains are places of encounter with God, thin places in the language of Celtic Christianity where the boundary between heaven and earth is porous, where a transformative meeting with the grace and holiness of God is possible. This morning, I'd like to explore this metaphor of ascent in our readings and consider how through it, the Lord might encourage, challenge, and convict us on this, our seventh birthday as a community of Jesus followers. And I want to explore this around three headings. First, the upward call Second, the persevering of the saints. And finally, third, the touch of grace. Let's begin with the upward call. 
As I've already said, there are a number of similarities between our reading in Exodus and our reading in Matthew. There are clear echoes of Moses' journey up Mount Sinai in Jesus' journey with Peter, James, and John. Both readings involve this mention of six days, this hilltop encounter with God who is met in cloud and glory, the blazing light or fire. Moses is to receive the tablets of the law and the disciples are charged to listen to Jesus, the new law giver. There are striking similarities here. Yet there is also at least one notable difference. As Moses journeys up the mountain, he in verse 14, leaves behind the elders who have traveled thus far with him. They cannot ascend to where he's going. His encounter with God takes place behind the veil of cloud. The upward call is for Moses and Joshua alone. In contrast, Matthew describes how Jesus leads his friends into the heights. They journey with him to this encounter. They are with him enveloped in the cloud and glory of the Lord. They are in the consuming fire. They witness, they hear the Father speak over the Son this declaration of love and favor. The implication of this distinction is clear. Jesus gets us farther than Moses. To journey with Jesus is to make the ascent into glory, into the life of God. Journeying with Jesus, following him in faith, will get you farther, farther up the mountain. And in Jesus, we, each of us, have received this glorious invitation, this upward call, come up to higher ground. What dignity Jesus imparts to each of us as he calls us heavenward, upward. The bulletin on the front, or the quote on the front of your bulletin, is from this poet, Jupiter Hammond, the first ever published African-American poet. It's Black History Month. Part of your homework could be, look him up, read his Wikipedia entry. It's an amazing life. He was an amazing poet, an amazing evangelist for Jesus. And the writer Lisa Bowens, in her book, The African-American Readings of Paul, says the remarkable thing about the quote on the front of your bulletin is not simply that it's this powerful call to a holy life, to the pursuit of the way of Jesus, but the striking thing is to whom this call was issued. It was to people who were enslaved. It was an invitation extended to those that the world had in very tangible, very physical ways rejected, denied dignity to. And Hammond hears, hears rightly the voice of Jesus calling these people made in the image of God upward, up higher. Think of the dignity, think of the opportunity, the elevation in that very call, that very invitation. There is this elevation of us in the call that Jesus issues to us. This declaration that you, whatever else the world says about you, whatever else is communicated to you, were created, created, made for the heights of heaven, made for life within God. That is your call. That is an invitation for you, the upward call the dignifying upward call of Jesus. But notice also that Jesus descends 
with the disciples in verse nine. And he implores them there to keep what they have heard, what they've seen a secret until after his passion, after his death and resurrection. The full unveiling of Jesus' identity in glory only occurs after his humiliation, his death. We might say that it's the passion, the resurrection included, that is the high point. That's the highest peak. And the disciples in their journey with Jesus are called to follow him all the way there. The full ascent with Jesus involves this downward trajectory of a cruciform life. Jesus' call to follow him involves mountaintop experiences, yes, but also descent into the depths. Many of you have been hiking and you have that experience, right? Like we're trying to get up there. Why is the path going this way, turning and going down? What is going on? And it's an act of trust. It's an act of faith that the sign said, this path is going up there. So I'm gonna keep moving. I'm gonna keep going, even though it's disorienting and it feels like we're headed in the wrong direction. Yes, there is these heights, the experiences, the encounters with God, and where it ends is this glorious peak. But there is also the following of Jesus into the valleys of suffering, of difficulty, of service, of boring, ordinary life, and trusting even there that to journey with him, even though it doesn't look like it, doesn't feel like it, is to journey upward is to have received his upward call, is to trust that he is leading us where we long to go, where we were made to go, into the life of God. We've been around for seven years and there have been ups and there have been downs. In your own life, the circumstances of your own life, there have been ups, I'm sure, and there have been downs. But ever and always through it all, Jesus is issuing and even using the circumstances of our lives to draw us upward, further into his life. That is the ultimate expression of his goodness. It's not that it's, your life is super easy, that you have a Ferrari or something like that. The goodness of God is, of course, yeah, it's expressed in the material blessings of this life. But more than that, it is that Jesus is powerful and able to get you into the heights, into the life of God, through the circumstances of your life. There's an, an understanding of the gospel There's a, that suggests that to put our faith in Jesus is this one-time discrete act. And that once we have done so, our position in some way is static. Just hold fast, stay where you are. But you'll notice in our readings, the call of Jesus is to move, to move your feet, to move upward. There is ever always this invitation further up and further in. Even as we experience the humiliations of life, the downward trajectory of Jesus, even in situations of suffering, he is there winning and wooing us, drawing us to God, drawing us into greater understanding, greater awareness, greater intimacy with God's goodness, grace, glory, and power. Again, in hiking, there is such thing as a false summit right, where you think you've climbed near the top, just a few hundred feet more, and we'll be there. Just the next switchback, and then I'm sure we can rest. And then you get up there, and you realize, oh man, there is another peak, another height. And to journey with Jesus is to be there, to be there. Yes, weary perhaps, 
but always beckoned on further. And the view is so much better higher. To journey with Jesus is to hear this charge, to keep moving and press on. Yes, we are safe and secure in Christ, but to journey with him is to heed the call to move forward into deeper obedience and intimacy, greater communion. In Jesus, we have all received this dignified and ongoing upward call. This need to keep on with Jesus leads to the second heading, the the persevering of the saints. To begin a journey with Jesus is to heed this upward call, to hear it, his invitation into the life of God through faith in him. And then to journey with him is to continue on in this upward movement, drawing near, to follow the pattern of his life, grow in intimacy with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Easier said than done. Every 10 years, the British Film Institute puts out a top 100 list of the greatest films ever. It most recently did this just a few months ago in 2022. In the Institute, every decade takes a poll of various critics and directors, people involved in filmmaking around the world to compile this list. In 2002, two lists ago, in addition to the main list, which featured like classic films that you would expect, Citizen Kane, Vertigo, The Godfather Part II, they also published the individual lists of notable contributors. One such list was that of the Senegalese filmmaker, Usman Sembene. And on his list appeared none of the usual suspects when it came to the best films. I had to do a project on this list back in when I was in university in a film theory class, and I tried really hard. I can't find it on the internet anywhere. But take my word for it. In the place of Citizen Kane and Vertigo were these various films from African directors and the films of the global South. And looking at that list, it was clear that Semben had a distinct set of criteria in mind, a different valuation. He counted things differently. In our following of Jesus, in our heeding of his upward call, there is this necessity to adopt a different valuation of things, to count things differently. This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about in his letter to the Philippians. He invites them, he invites us to a new set of criteria. Whatever was previously considered important, gain in his words. The markers of his Jewish identity, his strict adherence to the law. He now considers all of that loss, rubbish, in comparison to knowing, to being found in Jesus Christ. Everything else is secondary. Everything else, he says, is worthless in comparison. That Paul must write these words to the Philippians is indicative of how difficult this is. We are prone to using different valuations, adopting the criteria of the world to prove our worth and our belonging, to prove to ourselves and to others that we are okay to do so, to adopt a worldly set of criteria in some way is to cease our journeying with Jesus, to cease in some way our upward climb with him. It is to refuse his invitation. The season of Lent is right around the corner. And one of the lenses that we might adopt in this season of fasting, repentance, giving to others, is that it is an opportunity to wean ourselves 
from those things that we're tempted to use to make us feel we're okay, that we belong. In competition with Jesus, our food, our entertainment, our money, our deluded sense of ourselves as morally having it together, to wean ourselves from such things that we might persevere with Jesus, dependent on him, trusting that he and he alone will take us to the mountaintop. It's a season of opportunity that we might put out of mind the things of this world that we use to give ourselves value, forget what is behind, and set our eyes upon the crown of Christ's glory, which is of greater value. Lent is not about taking on new responsibilities that you can prove your worth, but rather it is about clinging more fully to Jesus and the promise of what he's done and will surely do. Stripping away those things that we come to count on in his place. I feel sheepish about this next illustration. But it being Transfiguration Sunday, I found myself thinking about that Katy Perry song, Firework. <laughs> you know it, it's an earworm. Producer, whoever he was, they were definitely earned their money on that one. It gets in your brain. And there's this connection in that song, right? Jesus is shining. Brightly, his glory, his face is blazing, his clothes are like lightning. Baby, you're a firework, right? It's right there. The connection's right there. And that is, in some very real way, your destiny as someone created in the image of God through faith in Jesus. The lyrics, you're not a plastic bag, a house of cards. You can't be replaced. Jesus' destiny is yours. In him, God speaks over, you're my beloved daughter, my beloved son. You are irreplaceable to me. I delight in you. Something of that silly song reminds me of this. But then that song has other words, other lyrics, like own the night, show them what you're worth, ignite your light and let it shine. And as like pumping up that feels sometimes, especially in the song, that is not actually good news. That is making you responsible for the ascent, for your own glorification. The weight is wholly upon you and I to demonstrate and reveal our inner light, our righteousness. And we do not have it in and of ourselves. We do not have the power to climb, to ascend. Psalm 24, who can climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. Who is sufficient for such a perilous climb? Only the one who perseveres in clinging to the promises of God in Christ. Only he or she who is held by him, to whom the righteousness of God has been counted who's come now to reflect the glory, borrowed light of the only begotten Son. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Only the one who's carried by Jesus. So let us persevere in holding to him. And that leads us to our third heading, the touch of grace. The Cormac McCarthy novel, No Country for Old Men, concludes with these words from Sheriff Bell. I had true dreams about my father after he died. I don't remember the first one all that well, but it was about meeting him in town somewheres, and he gave me some money, and I think I lost it. 
But the second one, it was like we were both back in older times and I was on horseback going through the mountains at night, going through this pass in the mountains. It was cold and there was snow on the ground and he rode past me and kept going, never said nothing. He just rode on past and he had this blanket wrapped around him and he had his head down. And when he rode past, I saw he was carrying fire in a horn the way people used to. And I could see the horn from the light inside of it about the color of the moon. And in the dream, I knew he was going on up ahead and that he was fixing to make a fire somewhere out there, out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he would be there. There's something of the upward climb in those words. And our gospel reading this morning is about the revealing of Jesus in fiery glory as the fulfillment of the law, the prophets represented by Moses and Elijah, the one who is God from God, calling us upward into the life he shares with the Father in the Spirit, lighting the way for us to follow him in the cold and in the dark. Yet if that were all that there was, just a call upward, it might not be enough. It would not be enough. Because in our own power, we cannot ascend to where Jesus goes. We haven't the strength for the journey. We're too weak, too divided in our own hearts, too captive to other loves. If Jesus only issues an upward call, like come on up to where I am, there's a certain cruelty to it. Jesus must do more than just pass us by. He must not leave us as orphans. And Matthew describes in chapter 17 this poignant moment when the disciples, covered by the bright cloud in the consuming fire of God, overshadowed by the presence and glory of him, having heard the voice of the Lord, they fall face down. It's this recognition of their lack, their inadequacy. They do not belong at such heights. They aren't sufficient for them. But in verse 7, Matthew writes, but Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, do not be afraid. The transcendent son of man, God from God, shining in glory, drew near, drew down to them and touched them. And in that touch, they're able to rise. They're able to stand. They're able to belong where they should not. And they're able to journey with him, to go where he is going, into the depths and into the heights. They're able to forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead, having received from him the righteousness of God, grace for the journey, the fullness of life today, along the way. That is what Jesus longs to give each of you for the first time or yet again, the touch of grace. He does not leave us to make the climb as we are on our own. Rather, he makes his righteousness ours so we can enter further up and further in. And he imparts to us his holy presence who makes us whole and strong for the perilous climb ahead such that we can rise and fall and rise again in him on that upward journey into the very life of God. Our destiny in him, our home with him. This is where he bids you come. And more than that, this is where he, he alone empowers you to go 
upward in all things, in every situation, drawing us to himself, at home with him in the high vault of heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. Gracious and almighty God, in our readings, in our scripture this morning, we have a picture of you in glory, in your goodness. Remind us this morning, O oh God, give us a fresh taste of your goodness, O oh Lord. Would we as your people taste and see this day that you are good? Would you give us fresh hope that we will see the goodness of God in our lives, in our day? Such that we this morning would be strengthened to follow after you to set our hope in you, to hold fast to the promises that are ours in you and to pattern our lives after yours, O oh God. We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.